I'm going to kind of get you to why. We're going to talk about making wise decisions, some things that we can do to make wise decisions. And uh, so I, I'm going to tell you how I got here. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been, I've been building sis a bed, okay? She, she's been climbing out of her crib, and, you know, so I've been building her a bed, and uh, last night I got, got it finished. So we got it finished, and I mean, uh, my dad came over, we took the crib out, and we took the bed upstairs, and as I got the bed upstairs, um, I built the bed to the specifications of a queen-size bed. I gave myself just two extra inches because uh, I didn't want her to fall down through the cracks or anything, and we didn't want to buy her another bed in 10 years, so we just got her that one. But I did not think it through all the way as I built it to specifications of a queen-size bed, but not the specifications of getting it in the bedroom. <laughs> and it's heavy, it's oak, we got it from the farm, we planed it all down, I mean, it's a heavy frame, we carried it upstairs and got it in the hallway, and literally as it's standing up in my hallway, I had to take it all the way apart. We, it did go back together, so y'all can praise God for that. We got it back in there. But I started thinking about that, and my dad was talking, and I thought, how often in our lives spiritually do we make decisions and make decisions looking at just one part without looking at the whole picture? I never thought, I thought, well, it's queen-size bed, we'll get it in there, you know, it won't be a big deal. I mean, her bedroom's here, and there's a hallway, and then there's another door. I mean, it, we tried every way we could to get it around, to get it through. It didn't work. And then after we took it apart, halfway apart, took the rails off, then I realized, that well, I still had to take some more parts apart to get it in there. And, 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 and I'm thinking there's a lot of times in our life that we make decisions, especially very large decisions in our lives, focusing on the specifics of a queen-size bed, but not thinking through the whole situation of how am I going to get it in the bedroom to start with. And, and I want to look at today as some principles that we can apply to our lives that you and I can use uh, to help us make wise decisions. Now, I did a study. I've been uh, following a study of this preacher. I've been doing some different studies. And a couple months ago, I came across this. He has a series on these. And I took some of his points. I mean, I made them into, I alliterated them for me to help remember them. But some of these ones I took, and I thought he had some really good things about making wise decisions. And may I say, I know this is you Sunday, and I know I'm young because I'm up here doing this thing. But let me say, no matter what age you are, making wise decisions ought to be important to you. Whether you're young or whether you're old, uh, making wise decisions uh, should be important. And, and as we go to Proverbs chapter number 3, what I'm trying to say is I don't want you to find yourself with a queen-size bed in a, in go, that won't fit into a, a bedroom. A lot of times that's how we find ourselves, taking things back apart we put together because they never fit our lives to start with. And, 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 and the good thing is we got a God in heaven that doesn't want us to find ourselves in a hallway with a bed that won't fit in the bedroom. And I thank God for that. He, he wants us, listen, God's, God has provided for us. And now, that don't mean it won't take work and some time to figure out what to do. Now, if you're not, with, I mean, you know, Scott was talking about he, he doesn't like to be patient. But let me say something to you. You get ahead of God, you'll find yourself in a hallway with a queen-size bed that won't fit in the bedroom. And you have to take apart every single piece. And then get it in there and put it all back together again. Thank God it did go back together. Praise God for that. But that's not the way we want to live our lives. 
And I'm sure we have all found ourselves in situations such where we've made decisions in our lives and got ourselves in a situation because we didn't think through the whole thing. We didn't look to the one who knows the whole thing. Uh, and that's what, but God wants us to make wise decisions and he's provided us the means necessary to do such. Uh, and, and the first thing about looking at making wise decisions, can I say, the most important part, I believe, of, to all these, they're all important, but if you do this part wrong, you've already messed up, okay? The first thing about making a wise decision is our approach to decisions. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, if you and I are not careful, we got a decision to make, we'll just go right into the decision without consulting or thinking about God in the decision. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The first step, the first key, the most important thing that you and I can do about making wise decisions is be sure that we approach the decision with God's will and God in mind in the decision. Listen to me. You, you, you probably know this, but if you don't know this, listen. If you leave God out of your decision, that's a problem. And it will create problems. And it may not, you may not see the problem with it in initially, but I'm going to tell you what, you're going to find problems. Anytime you leave God out of anything in your life, that's going to be an area that's going to suffer problems. And we got to come to him and approach all decisions. Uh, to make a wise decision, we got to approach every decision looking to him first. That's what Proverbs teaches here. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. What that's saying is lean on God for this decision, not yourself. Don't, don't just go into it thinking... Don't go into it thinking it's going to fit without measuring. I mean, what should have took 30 minutes yesterday took me all evening. And everybody just sitting around watching at me wondering if it's going to go back together. That's what it was. But think about this for a second. We must enter each decision looking to the Lord and not ourselves. That's how we ought to approach it. If you're going to make a wise, you can make decisions. That don't mean it's a wise decision. We, why, wisdom is, I believe you could define wisdom as the appropriate use of knowledge we have. And God wants us to have knowledge, but taking that knowledge and put, wisdom is taking that knowledge and putting it into practice. And God wants us to be wise in our decisions. And, and I'm going to give you some basis. I, you guys know this. But the first two ways I believe that we acknowledge the Lord, first is we acknowledge the Lord through prayer. You ought to be praying about big decisions. You ought to be praying about all decisions. But I mean, especially when you come to big ones, pray about them. And we ought to be looking at the scriptures. Let me say, you can't stay in, be in, or live in God's will without looking to the Bible. You can't. I don't care. I don't care. You cannot do that. You've got to have the word of God. You've got to have the Bible. And we got prayer. So the first thing is important, and I think this is the thing that for younger, some of you all already know this because you done found out the hard way. Amen. And some of us know this because you found out the hard way multiple times. We've done that, right? Now, I believe with all my heart, we can learn and we should learn from our errors in the past. We should not repeat those. I mean, if, you know, next time I build a bed, let me say something. I'm going to measure the door. 
or I'm going to make it in a way that I can disassemble it and put it together upstairs. I'm not going to catch myself doing that again, okay? But as we come to life, let me say something to you. Though that was a bed and it's, it's, it's funny and things like that, it's not funny when it's decisions in our lives that impact us and has consequences and, and, and things we have to live with. That's why there's an importance on making wise decisions. And throughout the Word of God, God has given us the Word of God for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. We got much to learn in this. But So our first thing is our approach. All of our decisions, we ought to make sure that we're looking to the Lord in the decisions first. Absolutely, absolutely. So we first see that our approach, what, what time is this class, 25 after? Are we good? I got a 25 after. Go to 1 John 1 and 6. We're going to be flipping through the scriptures here. But our approach, that's the way you should look to everything, is first off to say, what does God say about this? What, does, what would the, look into it and say, I can't make a decision until I first see what God says about it. That, 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 that's the way we got to go prayerfully and through the scriptures. We've got to acknowledge him. And, and that's ways we do is looking through the scriptures, looking through prayer. And he says here he'll direct our paths. God wants to help us. Uh, he wants to help us. So first is our approach. Now, when you go to 1 John 1 6, there are verses probably 6 down through 10, 5 down through 10. They're talking about uh, our fellowship with the Lord and our walk. And, and I want to say this next... Our next thing is it's important that we are in agreement with God when we're making big decisions. Now I'm going to read verse 6. I'll read verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And I'll just go ahead and read the rest. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May I say, if you make decisions while you're out of the will of God, you're going to make decisions that, that are going to impact your life. They're not going to be as good as decisions as it would be if you were in fellowship with God. Does that make sense? If you're not living in the will of God, you're not going to have be conscious enough about all of the spiritual ramifications of the decisions you're making. And we got to be in agreement with God. If you want to make wise decisions, stay close to the Lord. Keep your fellowship close to God. First uh, Peter two or First Peter two and eleven says this. He says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul." I want you to think about this verse for a second. Is you're going to find that there's things that are warring against the decisions you are to make. Sin will always hinder. Darkness always hinders the light that you have. And, and, and it's important that we stay close to God, stay in a right fellowship with the Lord. Some of the worst decisions are made when someone's in a backslidden state. That's not a time to be making life decisions. 
but, but if we're not careful, if we're going to make wise decisions, we're going to have to stay in God's will. And, and, and that's the important thing is being in God's will will help you make decisions to stay in God's will. So we've got to stay in agreement. Uh, making decisions, not walking in fellowship can be trouble. Making decisions while uh, living carnally will get you in trouble. You say, why? if you look at 1 Peter 2 and 11, he says, fleshly lusts which war against the soul. If you're not walking in the spirit and you're making decisions, you're going to make decisions that's aimed towards the flesh and not towards the spirit. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's important that we stay filled with the spirit. We stay in close communion. Because when we make those decisions outside of it, we're not going to be aimed to the right direction. Our flesh never aims for uh, obedience to the word of God. So if we're making decisions by being controlled by the flesh, we're going to see that, that the arrow is going to point towards how does that better fit my flesh. And, 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 and what we, we can see through the scriptures is if we'll stay close to him, stay in that communion, stay in agreement, that'll help us to make the next right decision. So it's important that our current present state is found in God's will. You say, well, I'm not in God's will. Well, get in God's will, then, then figure out the decision you've got to make. You might, sometimes we'd be better off not making a decision and, and knowing we're out of God's will, not making a decision, than making a decision, then going on later and, and reaping the consequences. But we see we've got to have our agreement. So we've got to look at our approach. We've got to make sure we're looking to him. Then we've got to make sure we're walking with him. We're agreed together. Turn. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's the thing is when we're walking close to him, he, nobody wants to help you more than him. Nobody cares more. And nobody knows more. I mean, for all the wisdom we could get out of Tom, let me say something. Tom has no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But the one we serve does. You, you, see, you see what I mean? And we're going, to talk about God, we're going to talk about godly advice and things like this, but I want you to grasp is that nobody, nobody in this life more than Jesus wants to help you live in the will of God, make the right decisions, do the right thing than him himself. And, and he wants to, so we want to stay close to him, walk in agreement. But, so, so we see that if we're out of the will of God, it's going, to be, it's going to hinder our decisions to make wise, godly decisions. And may I say something to you? Not just making the right decision, I want to make a godly decision. There's a big difference. I mean, you know, we can do right things, but I want to live godly in this present world. And, and God wants us to live that way. I mean, I'm not just talking about, you know, you can make decisions that, uh, that you may have been choosing anything that's not even right or wrong and make a decision, but I want to look at everything through the eyes of what the scriptures and spiritually, how is this decision going to affect my spiritual life? And we know if we're in close communion with him, he ain't going to guide us wrong. He never will. He's he never going to guide us wrong. So we got to stay close there. So let's go to Psalm 37 and 4. Now these are principles you can apply and you should apply. When these are, and and this, this list is not exhaustive, okay? So don't, this is not like everything that is, but they'll help you if you, if you use these. Psalm 37 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now I'm going to talk about this verse in two parts, okay? A, a key to making wise decisions is delighting ourselves in the Lord. Now, I'm talking about our 
I want to talk about our affections. If we are joying ourselves in Him when we make a decision, we're going to be more apt to, to choose the things that would bring Him uh, honor and glory as if we was joying ourselves in something else. Um, and, and, and we ought to be, listen, we ought to be delighted in the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's a lot of things just to get real happy about, real joyful about, of just talking about Jesus. And we're going to talk of eternity. Eternity's going to be filled with that purpose because we're going to be with in his presence is fullness of joy. I mean, we can talk about in his character. We can talk about it, all that he's done, his works. But we ought to, every day we ought to find something to just joy about in Jesus because there is something. Even on your worst days, we got something we can joy about. If it, even on your worst day, if it's just joying in the fact that he's with you through the worst days that you have. He'll never leave you, never. You can read that both directions, and either way, the promise holds true. Read it backwards. It still holds the same way. We are to delight ourselves in him. Our affections ought to be turned towards him. I mean, we ought to just, you know when your affections are turned towards something. When it's got your attention, when you just make, you make decisions around things that you love and that you want to do. And, and, and thinking about that, we ought to make our lives about him and we'll make our decisions around him. Now notice this second part. Sometimes people get this and, and they'll take this second part. And it says, he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Let me say this too first. If you're doing the first part, your desires are going to be a lot different than you think they are. I mean, if you're saying, well, I'm desiring a Corvette, I'm just going to joy in Jesus. Let me say something. You joy long enough, it may not be you want a Corvette anymore. We're in the prosperity gospel age. You'll take verses like this out of context and say, well, if you, hey, if you want it, God will give it to you. Hold up. If you'll delight yourself in him, you'll find out the things that oftentimes we want, these fleshly lusts, that ain't really what we want to start with. We start joying in the right place. We start giving our affections over to him. You're, you're going to find that your decisions will align more with pleasing him than they would if you were, de, if you were not delighting yourself in Jesus. So there's, there's a practice here. That second part, it's going to hinge on that first part. What I'm saying is you get joy in yourself in Jesus, you'll start choosing things that please Jesus over things that won't. You even start, uh, I'm not even talking about bad things. I'm just talking about things that you'll start giving your time over more to things that would please him than it would that would please us. I'm not talking about bad activities. Listen, if it's something wrong, you, you, it's wrong. You, that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about there's things that we, we give ourselves to, but we'll find out if we give ourselves over to him, those things will change on what we give ourselves to. Our affections. I mean, we ought to be in love with him. Amen. Yeah, I mean, we ought to be. There's a lot. There's an eternity of things to love about him, and we're going to do that. But our affections, they're going to help us make wise decisions. If you're out, and I'm not being negative towards other things, but if you're just not joying yourself in Jesus, you're probably, your desires are not going to maybe line up to what his would be. So that's a good, it's a good way to, um, to do that. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I mean, Colossians tells us in chapter 3, I think it's verse 1, set your affections on things above. 
If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Well, I mean, I can get real literal and tell you that he is above us. He's on the right hand of God. The word of God's in heaven. Prayer takes place in heaven. All these things we're supposed to be turning our hearts toward. I mean, we can do things because we know to do them, but affection means it's the desire and the want to do things. You know, oftentimes we, we pray, we pray because we know to pray and we should pray, but sometimes we, we don't have the fervency or the, the want to pray. You know what I mean? But, but having our affections towards him, it's, it's going to affect that. But that had to go with the last point. But 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 16 and 17. Notice this. Of all that goes on before this, but Scott pointed this out the other day. It's been pointed out from this pulpit. Of all the things that's going on, the bad things that's in this chapter that we, we, we see, we still, the end of the chapter ends on living right, making right, wise decisions because of what we have here. Verse 16 and 17, if you don't have this memorized, you need to get this memorized. This one you need, to, you need to get in there, get it in your heart. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now you don't, we, we know what these means. I'm going to give them to you briefly. But uh, profitable for doctrine, doctrine's what's right. So we got a book here that's going to tell us what's right. You say, well, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Find it, the teaching in the Word of God. Then it's going to tell us for correction what's wrong. So I don't know. Well, look and see what the Bible says about it. Is it wrong? Well, the Bible will teach us for reproof. For correction means when it's wrong, how to get it right. Maybe, maybe you've got to make a decision and you're not in the right right now, but the Bible will teach you how to get it right. And I like this lesson for instruction in righteousness, how to keep it right. You say, what's this point, what's this point got to do about making wise decisions? Well, what we're going to find is we're going to see our adherence. Making wise decisions are making, wise, are making decisions according to God's word. Now, our adherence to scripture will greatly impact whether we make wise decisions. And may I say this? We should never make any decision that would cause you to disobey God's word. You say, well, well, the Bible says this, but I just feel like we're in the feeling age. Let me say something to you. If your feelings do not line up with scripture, your feeling didn't come from God. I don't care how explosive the... Uh, experience was and how detailed and all these things. Listen, the Word of God will always line up with what the Holy Spirit's teaching you. Always. They never are contrary. And God's never going to tell you, well, you just disobey this commandment and it'll be all right. That, that, that's not, he's never going to tell you that. It's all right this one time. That's not actually in your Bible. Well, God, I, I feel like God's just telling me to do this. Well, hold on a second. Does it line up with the Word of God? I'm talking, this right here, in every decision you make, th th if you miss this, you're going to miss the will of God. You might guess right every now and then, but you better be sure that your decisions, and I mean, when you start thinking about it, I just got a couple here to look at. But God's given us wisdom. You say, well, 
how do I go to the Bible? Well, God's given us wisdom in different areas. Should I go here? Should I be with them? Should I do this? And we're going to find some things in here. Some of the areas that God deals with in regards to our decisions. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Right in with, right in with you, Greg. Verses number 14 through 18. I'm going to read them down here. Now I'm just giving a couple here. Verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Well, first off, we're going to find, here's an area to make decisions. What about our associations? That's pretty clear right there. It's very light and dark, black and white. Uh, and you say, well, where do I use this? Well, all areas of your life. You getting married, you better check this verse out. You got friends, you better check this verse out. You going into business with somebody, you better check this verse out. You say, well, say why is that? Because I thought about this last week. You got on this and I thought, I was going to bring a rope in here. And I was going to tie it to somebody, and I was going to take the other end. Look, you, here's why you can't yoke them together. Because if you think about a yoke, that, that big old thing that goes on top of them, you have two of them. Well, when they're going in different directions, you say, well, say, well I, I want to I I bring him into the Lord. Listen, we can, we can be separate from the world and still witness and reach them with the gospel. Did you know that? We don't have to intermingle in the middle of sinful things to, to be a part of that. I don't, listen, I don't have to go down to the beer joint to witness to the people at the beer joint. They got homes, or I can catch them on the sidewalk, but I don't have to go down in there and try to pull them out of that place. We can be separate, because we see here, we can be separate from the world, but yet still reach the world with the gospel. That's clearly taught in Scripture. We don't have to be like the world. We don't have to act like the world or conform to the world to still reach the world. We can be transformed and still reach the world. And may I say, we'll be better off and they'll be better off if we are transformed by the word of God than if we were to try to reach them at their level. I mean, Paul talked about that and he wasn't talking about when, you know, I, I could take you to the verses there and he talked about what he became as some men. He wasn't saying that he started drinking at the bar because of that. No, he was saying he tried to reach people where they were, not in their sins, but on their level. To the Jews, he talked, talked like a Jew would talk. It doesn't mean he changed his method or altered his person or his character. He didn't do those things. But he tried to reach them just like if you were talking to a child or talking to somebody that's older. You talk different to each because of the level that they're on. That's what Paul was saying. He said, my character didn't change. He wasn't saying that. He said, I didn't make myself into something that I'm not. He said, I tried to reach people where they are with the gospel. He didn't alter his message. Can I say something to you? The gospel works for a four-year-old just as much as it'll work for a 104-year-old. It's, it's still the power of God unto salvation. But, but, but we find here that our associations, you say, well, uh, preacher, I just, you know, I got, 
They may be excellent in what they do. Maybe an excellent business partner. Maybe a maybe. Can I say they may be an excellent man or woman? But listen to me. If they're not going to the will of God, you say, "Well, I'm going to try to bring them in." Listen, if you're yoked up together, you'll never get where God wants you to go because you're held up by what that is. You say, "Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says." Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the scriptures are clear on the direction of that. Should I marry this person? Should I go into a business partner? Well, do they believe in the Lord? Do, do, do they, do, are they saved? Are they walking in the will of God? Right. You, you want to you be yoked up with somebody that's in the will of God. Absolutely. And we see here our associations in the manner of uh, looking at uh, lost and saved with unbelievers. But then also if you go to Romans 16, 17, notice this. Romans 16 and 17 says this. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. May I say something to you? We're not going to just yoke up with everybody that claims Jesus. And may I make this statement to you too? You say, why is that? Because doctrine, you, listen, you're not in unity when you drop doctrine. Unity's built upon right doctrine. Doctrine matters. It actually is the key to everything. If you change a few of our doctrines, we're no different than the Muslims. We're no different than the Buddhists. We're no different than all these other religions of the world. You say, why? Because doctrine matters. Our doctrine is that Christ died for our sins. He was a holy, righteous God. He was born of a virgin. He rose on the third day. These are just foundational things. But these doctrines set us apart from anything in the world because we have a Savior. Doctrine matters. And, and you can't, and that's the thing is, you, you can't build on without doctrine. That we've got, right, doctrine is the key. And we're told here that there's some that's going to cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctor, uh, doctrine. Now, when you get to this point, is that if someone gets something wrong automatically, you say, well, I'm cutting them off and never being, no, when you get to this point, it's someone that's clearly been taught what they're teaching or doing is wrong and contrary to the scriptures, and they are unwilling to change. And he said, cut them off. Right. We've all made errors. Everybody's made errors and things we believed and things. But if we get to the place where we know something is willfully wrong and we are staying with it, though we know that it's wrong, that's where he's saying avoid them. That don't mean you don't love them. That don't mean that you don't care for them. Don't mean you don't pray for them. But he's saying their influence ought not be in your life. That's what we see here. Well, that's the thing is your, your doctrine is going to determine your behavior. What you believe determines what you behave. If you believe something's important, you'll hold to it and you'll hold it true. If you don't, if you... If you don't care about it, then you know what? You'll live that way. 
Absolutely. And, and, and you'll see that, that your doctrine, this is why, why you've got to be people of the Bible. We honor the Bible here. We want to uphold the Bible and teach the Bible. But you're only going to make yourself a person of the Bible. I can't do that. I mean, Tom can't do that. I mean, if we could hold you down and do it, we would. But we cannot do that. That's going to be a decision that you make. And may I say, what you believe is going to help you in all of the decisions. They're going to help you or hurt you in every decision that you make. If you're willfully holding to doctrine you know that's untrue, you're going to make some unwise decisions based upon you know it's untrue and you, whether whatever it is that keeps you from saying I'm not changed or I'm not going that way. But we find here that we got to be careful in our associations because evil communications corrupt good manners. You get around people with the wrong doctrine, they'll change your doctrine. Well, it depends upon, I mean, if your doctrine matters, let's take it this way. First off, you've got to believe that Christ died for your sins. There's a certain way to get saved. You've got to believe that Jesus died and God had raised him from the dead. Uh, there, there's, there, but I'm talking about like if some people has a doctrine and says, well, it's all right to go drink. I'm talking about, I'm not, I mean, talking about salvation, everybody gets saved the same way. You gotta, there's some things you have to believe. You have to believe to be saved. But you, when you get people get saved, they may never ever been around the Bible. They, may, they have a conscience and may know things morally wrong, but they may not know scriptural things. But I'm talking about, if, you know, if, if, if someone's like, well, it's all right to drink, and we go through and we sit down and we say, well, now here's the scriptures that show us that that ain't, that ain't that sinful, and we ought not be doing that. And we get down into that subject, and they say, well, I'm going to drink anyways. Well, if you hang out with them, what the Bible says, your, your communications can be corrupted. That's it. I mean, I, I'm going to hurry through because we're done. I'm just going to give you these points. In our associations, we've got to stay adherence to the Word of God. In our assembly, things that take you away from the house of God, you better be careful because he says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Decisions should be made in light of our assembly with the believers. Uh, and lastly, our last point uh, would be our advisors. You know, the Bible teaches us to seek out godly wisdom, godly advice. You can go to Proverbs 19.20. I'm not going to read it, but making wise decisions, we will want to seek out godly people. I mean, as a young preacher, I still do this. I seek out wisdom from older preachers, from men that are godly, that have right doctrine. I mean, that, that we ought to seek wisdom from God's people. Now, that may not be... The, I don't just go to Tom, like, Tom, I need to make this decision. What do I need to do? Without praying about it, consulting the Word of God, doing all these other things, that's just a part of it. God's given us that. We ought, to, we ought to do those things. So we ought to have some, some, some godly advisors. We ought, to, we ought to look at that when making a wise decision. But let's, let's pray because I went over time and I was trying not to.